out, we'll come out, we'll come to play. Just for recreation's sake, to pass the time away. Lots of fun, heaps of fun, enjoy yourself today. North Melbourne boys are hard to beat when they come out to play. So join in the chorus, sing it one and all. Join in the chorus, North Melbourne's on the ball. Good old North Melbourne, the champions you'll agree. North Melbourne will be premiers, so just you wait and see. Hello and welcome to the Stern Look. I'm Kangaroos Forever. For tonight we have the reclusive Nate Seven. Welcome. Hey, thanks for uh, having me back on again. It's great to have you on. Also tonight we have the great Jay Z. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. And from the forest moon of Kashyyyk we have the Wookie. Howdy. Good to have you on. Before we get started, I just want to extend my support to Jared Ruffhead and his family as he deals with the recurrence of the cancer. Uh, my thoughts and prayers are with you. This show has the same structure as usual, so we'll just start up with thumbs up, thumbs down. My first thumbs up will be Brad McKenzie's good game against the Bombers. I don't really have a second thumbs up after that. That's just, that was a horrible game. My first thumbs down would have to be the injury to Ben Jacobs and Daniel Wells, which sucks. We don't know the extent of their injuries at the moment. And my second thumbs down would have to be the cancer reoccurring in Roughhead, which really sucks. So, Jay-Z, what are your thumbs up, thumbs down? Uh, a bit like you, I struggled to get a thumbs up this week. Um, in the end, I I sort of settled on the fact that we're we're eight and zero. Um, <laughs> I've I've never walked away from a win more disappointed than I did at the end of last week. It kind of felt like a loss, but at the end of it, we're still undefeated. I said way back at the start of the season that we needed seven or eight wins from the first nine rounds, and we've already got that. So I guess that's the the positive. Um, for the thumbs down, uh, the loss of our strength and conditioning coach, Dan Meehan, to the Brooklyn Nets in the NBA. Um, from everything we've heard from guys like Higgins and White and these guys who've had massive injury history and then come to us and, and been terrific, I think that's a real loss of competitive advantage for us. Um, and the other one was, well, apart from the obvious you know, injury crisis, which is everyone's, <laughs> uh, the other one I had was the AFL's spastic, typical knee-jerk reaction with the countdown clock. Uh, now not showing it for the last, I think it's the last two minutes of every quarter. Yeah. And the umpires can call play on if he thinks the players are milking time, which just opens us up for uh, more, more umpires trying to read the players' minds, and it's going to be shit, and they should just stop messing around. Well, it's another North rule, so we, at least we've got something. At least it wasn't Lizzie Thomas. At least we now have the Mason Wood rule. And funnily enough, we also have the Drew Petrie rule, where the um, they also announced today that the blood rule no longer counts as an interchange if you're over the cap, <laughs> which was from us, from round one. <laughs> at least that's a good rule. Um, yep. any, any positives or negatives for you, Wookie? Oh, always, always, always. Uh, for me, of course, mine are Carlton-related, so... Uh, Possibly not uh, all that interesting to your listeners, but Matthew Cruiser playing the game injured and uh, kicking the ceiling goal for the game. Uh, conversely, the negative of that is that he's out for four weeks now, or four or five weeks with a meniscus uh, problem. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, just winning four in a row. Uh, most people didn't think we'd win four games for the year. Do four in <laughs> a row. Pretty happy with that. We're beating the teams we should be beating. Uh, we'll know a lot more about where the club's at over the next two weeks against, obviously, you guys and Geelong. But, uh, mm. yeah. And then uh, after that, of course, we've got um, Casbolt hurting himself as so the second negative for me. Obviously, he's out for eight weeks. It's a big out. 
It really is. He provides a lot of your forward structure too. Um, right, so Nate, any positives, negatives? Uh, the negatives are just ongoing, the never-ending two-week injuries um, list, which is getting ridiculous. Mason, um, a pretty horrific uh, concussion. And with that, with the Etihad Stadium, I, I don't know, I, uh, Jay-Z, if you, any of you were at the game, um, probably yeah, one was. of the few times where uh, the stadium have not showed anything on the big screen, you know, 10,000 times, whether it be via um, audio or visual cues. The whole place was silent. Um, a bit of a kudos there to, to Essendon for not having a negative jeer when he was carried off on the stretcher or on, on the buggy. Um, another big one, and this is probably a bit of a weird one to all the listeners, is two clubs who I think most of the, the greater or the wider AFL community probably didn't think would have that many wins or would be this successful this far into the season, going head-to-head, prime time, Saturday night, it couldn't be any better, and a big, um, oh, call a double-barrel salute to the AFL and the rest of those people who just couldn't give a fuck. But I think it's great. Um, rather than having a Geelong or a Hawthorne, North Melbourne and Carlton, I don't think you can go any better than that, and um, near well, on neighbours. So could be a Friday I, night I, game. Yeah, and it could be good Friday night. So um, maybe a discussion for another time. But um, I think I think that was Carlton's fault. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they they didn't have a great great run on Friday night last year. Not really, no. About <laughs> hey, finishing up, mate. Yeah, that'll, uh, no, that, I think that's a, so. I don't um, talk for too long tonight for a change. No worries, thanks for that. Now, moving on to club discussion. There's not so much club discussion for us North presenters this week, but I thought I'd just get the Wookiee's views on club finances in general for our listeners. So firstly, Wookiee, assuming that over the next few broadcast deals, there'll be an increasing shift to -to direct-to-consumer internet package sales. How do you think this will shake out, and how are the escalating broadcast rights sustainable? What sort of impact do you think this will have on the league and clubs? It's interesting when you look at what Optus is doing at the moment or trying to do and trying to redirect the EPL and possibly even the A-League rights uh, to the ISP itself. Uh, Optus's general manager today saying that uh, he sees uh, no reason why uh, ISP bundled TV rights won't be considered the same as free-to-air rights or other, you know, but it'll basically be viewed as another channel in the future. Yep. Even though this isn't the current policy of any party in government or vying for government, so I'm not really sure that Optus know what they're talking about, to be honest. Um, but that said, I'm not sure that TV rights can continue growing at the rate that they are. I, I just, I mean, if people keep bidding, then it's going to. I'm just not sure that the money is in the Australian market to just keep growing exponentially. The pie at some point is finite, yep. and. Uh, you know, netball just took, uh, apparently just signed a big increase for their rights. So they've got four games a week now on free to air, two live, two delayed on channel nine. Uh, the A-League are looking, uh, they think they're going to double their rights. I don't think they are. I think they're going to get maybe a 15 to 20 million increase instead of uh, a 35 million increase. Yeah. But, uh, everyone else, I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's only so much pie to go around. And I, I think we're almost at the top of where we can go with this. So how would that affect funding on clubs and league? Would that affect that at all? Or? Well, the, the clubs, are, they only take uh, I think less than half the AFL's revenue per year goes to the clubs at the moment. Mm-hmm. The AFL makes an extraordinary amount of money through non-broadcast uh, rights at the moment. It's something like 200 to $300 million a year is made through things other than TV. So, I mean, the radio rights alone, they're worth uh, about $20 million over five years. It's still a fair and, amount. 
And you never, you never, oh, given the NRL's rights are worth about two and a half million over five years. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and that was that was if anyone actually took them. It was kind of a weird bidding thing. No one actually knows what the amount was, but the speculation was about two and a half million. It's not very much. Whereas we know that the AFL signed about uh, twenty million last time, and it would have only gone up. So yeah, interesting. Um, the AFL does extraordinarily well, and a lot of that's due to the nature of the centralised revenue. Uh, so a lot of the revenue, like where where football makes sixty nine percent of revenue from the MCG, the clubs only make thirty seven or thirty eight percent. So they get about half of that, and the AFL gets the rest in general revenue, which is where your club distributions come from, as well as the TV rights. So that's why there's been a consistent payment of a bonus payment, even though Waverley was sold uh, twelve years ago. While yeah. the final Waverley payments were made 12 years ago, that bonus is still being paid because the AFL just keeps rolling in money. Yeah, interesting. Um, the, sorry, if I could jump in with a quick question. With the TV rights, um, do you think we're going to reach a point with, obviously, you know, as you said, the money being finite, where it's all going to move to Foxtel, given no, they have a that, much bigger dollar spend? I, I don't think we'll get to that point. The, this, the anti-siphoning legislation, for better or worse, is heavily ingrained. In, in people, and there's an expectation from the public that there will be a certain amount of public board available, especially with uh, something like the AFL, which is hugely popular. And uh, I mean, the AFL already voluntarily does uh, a local version of the anti-siphoning, where local games in WA and SA and and uh, New South Wales and Queensland they're, they're shown. They get their local teams shown locally. Oddly enough, not in Victoria, uh, which North Melbourne supporters will probably be painfully aware of over the years. But, uh, yeah, you're not guaranteed your free-to-air rights if you're a Victorian team in Victoria, but every other team around the country is. So next time you hear someone bitching about uh, the Victorian nature of the AFL, point that out. Well, we're acutely aware of that. The only reason I have a Foxtel subscription is because I'm a North Melbourne supporter. Well, you guys are are the Western Bulldogs in particular, uh, Melbourne to a lesser extent now, they're the, the heaviest victims of that because so many of those games they have to play against the smaller teams in Victoria yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, you know at, at Etihad or in Melbourne's case for some reason every other game's at the MCG so whether it's away or home go figure anything else to add Jay-Z? Uh, no that was it no yeah right just a bit of a joking question from one of our posters is if North is running such a professional and successful footy department on $40 million. What is Collingwood doing with $80 million? Well, they spend, they spend a good $30 million on their pokies and social club, uh, which generates significant, uh, it generates about $5 million in profit now, I think. Um, most of their profit actually comes from the pokie side of the business, which is why the clubs can't do without it. It's why Carlton won't, won't drop theirs. I mean, Carlton spent about $20 million on their on their pokies for a return of about two or three million in profit on that. Without it, the, the club would have been uh, one and a half to two million in debt last year. Yeah, Geelong, I think there's a fair bigger reason why Carlton will never get rid of pokies. I, I think every club would get rid of them if they could. It's just they. It literally is a. It's a license to print money once it's all up and running. No, sorry, I was more referring to the fact that you have the so-called king of pokies uh, on your board. <laughs> yeah, but up, up until a couple of years ago, we never had those. Those uh, were sitting with the, the Bulldogs in Richmond. Uh, the, the, their pubs had them, and those pub licences were basically handed over to Carlton as a gift a couple of years ago. <laughs> it's, it's not a... It's, it's not a um, it shouldn't be an essential part of club operations, but unfortunately it is part of it at the moment. And while... North, for its various reasons, whether 
you subscribe to them or not, uh, can manage without them. Uh, other clubs uh, don't run quite the same operation. I mean, it's interesting, you look at Richmond, who are now investing into a series of leisure centres in Melbourne suburbs uh, as a means of raising some money because their pokies operations are for crap. Um, I mean, it's one thing to have pokies operations and make money. It's another thing to have pokies operations that make nothing. So that's, that's another story altogether. I love Richmond. They're a great club. <laughs> they provide plenty of lols for us, so we love them too. Uh, perhaps the best part of my season is the fact that Richmond, Essendon and Collingwood are both uh, all three below us at the moment. <laughs> and um, for, for, a, for a Carlton supporter, that's really the ball game. We don't care about the rest of the year. That's, that's it. <laughs> we care about where the rest of you are. They care about these interstate show-up-lately clubs. Or, you know, these Johnny-come-lately Victorian clubs, you know, and I'm referring to anyone that joined basically after 1900. So it's, uh, you know, Collingwood, keep them down, Essendon, keep them down, Richmond. Anyway, I'm digressing. Still a four-team competition, you reckon? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. If you're not the original eight teams, go somewhere else. <laughs> that is exactly why you're all down the bottom. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, that, I mean... I don't get people who complain, and this is something else altogether, but briefly, I don't get why people complain about GWS having concessions and benefits and things like that. I mean, most clubs have had 150 years to put processes in place. If you can't get it right by now, yeah. what, what really is your problem? Like, it, the, the, the problem is more than money, you know? The problem is more than your recruiting. You've got bigger problems if you've had 150 years and you still suck. So, and I'll say yeah. that to as a member of a club that hasn't won a grand final in 20, 21 years, so, you know. So you're doing better in Richmond. Well, everyone is doing better than... No. Not after last week's win. <laughs> I actually tuned out for that win. I, I, when they took, Towers took that mark, I, w- I turned the TV off going, oh, Sydney have won, and then I find out 30 seconds later, they won. Mm. Oh. <laughs> I was fuming, I was like, ah! Because I cop every single Sydney game because I live in New South Wales and it's just would have been so satisfying to see them lose again. Just just on GWS in Collingwood though, um, I find it interesting that the AFL has apparent. Well, I don't know if the AFL's approved it or whatever, but GWS and Collingwood are both investing in the National Netball League teams uh, from 2017. I'm not sure how uh, the Victorian clubs who uh, convinced the AFL is frittering money away on GWS and the Gold Coast are going to view the AFL essentially. Uh, funding a netball team now as well. Yeah, I was about to yeah. say, I, I don't think anything that GWS does needs AFL approval given they're basically run by the AFL. I'm not sure how the clubs view that though, uh, given that GWS is already deriving probably 90% of its revenue at the moment from the AFL directly. Yeah. Well, we're talking 20, uh, $22 million a year at the moment. Yeah, g- given, given the amount of money that the AFL has, which is ridiculous, I... I certainly haven't heard any other clubs that are whinging about how much money they're spending on GMS and Gold Coast. All the whinging seems to be about the concession. Uh, there's been a fair bit of money uh, whinging about the money we've spent on Gold Coast in the last week or two, given okay. that both Queensland sides suck at the moment. Um, so the, the tendency is to try and short that up. But that does bring me to a question for you guys. Now, in 2007, you guys will be painfully aware that the AFL uh, attempted to persuade you to move to the Gold Coast dangling a $100 million carrot at you. Thank you, remember that? (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sure some of your listeners might remember. Um, My question, and and it was stated by James Brayshaw that one of the reasons you guys didn't go, if not the main reason, was because there was no stadium dealing. Now, here's the thing, right? Gold Coast have a management deal on behalf of the AFL in which they get all revenue from the stadium. 
up, yeah. up on the Gold Coast. It's owned by Stadiums Queensland, but the manager of the stadium is, is the Gold Coast Suns on behalf of the AFL. Now, if they'd got the same deal for North Melbourne, would the club still have gone? Would North Melbourne have gone if they'd got the deal that Gold Coast got a year later? No. And I'll, my reasoning, and, and others may have different um, reasoning on this because it's quite an emotive topic on our board. Um, I know. But the the backlash that you would have seen from North supporters... I mean, the Gold Coast is already a ridiculously hard market to have a successful sporting team on. They've had clubs from all football codes come and go, and they just can't get a proper foothold. Moving a team up there, which would have alienated basically every North supporter that didn't live in Queensland, and even some of them, I just don't see how it could possibly have been successful. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Like, I know it's revisionist-type history and we're looking back on it now, but I don't see us going... I don't see us actually making a difference, that stadium deal, to any North... It's just the fans... It was won over by the fans in the end. I strongly believe that. Um, I'm sure Nate might have similar or dissimilar views to me, Nate. Well, I, I just think what what you guys are just saying, just to quickly sum, um, summarise that, was I think that if the carrot was dangled and if the stadium deal was in place, I mean, we're, we're sort of we're now talking in hindsight here, and we're talking about ifs, what's, and you know, maybe's and um, possibilities. I don't think they would have gone. I think it was just a matter of fact that, well, the supporter basis, we're going to stick true to our heartland with the North Melbourne or the greater area and we are the type of club who are going to grind this out. We've been through that many times where, even through the 1990s, where there were prospective mergers. Richmond, I think Melbourne, Hawthorne, St Kilda, Fitzroy at some point. Um, Probably half of the Victorian clubs at some point were linked with a North Melbourne or potential merger. So I think with that, um, those in charge of North Melbourne at the time saw that as, well, okay, well, we've been through that, we've fought that off, surely we can fight this off. And you saw God knows how many people attend the hall in Melbourne, I think it was Dallas Brooks or whatever it was called, and, um, yeah, the rest is history, it wrote itself. So um, we, we can now talk in hindsight and say, well, is it a good move, was it a bad move? I think only from that you can say, well, um, after the event or after after the fact. But um, look, uh, I, I'm not actually too aware of the stadium deal or, or what the actual deals were there at, um, at any time or place at the time. Whether it was, you know, you've got 100% of revenue where you've got 75%, you've got control, you can do this, you can do that, whatever else. I I, I have no flat, idea. You guys got a flat fee for playing up there. Mm. Per game, what are we talking? Were we it was talking a flat. Game? It was a flat fee per game. It was about four hundred thousand a game. Mm. But I, I think the issue, and um, again, this is a little bit revisionist history, but <laughs> I, I think the real question was not whether we were going to, you know, make enough money on the Gold Coast. It was whether we could make enough money to survive here. And clearly, in the whatever it is, nine years since. The club has done an amazing job of turning around the finances and making, I think, profits for mm. the last five years, or possibly all five. Um, and that really wouldn't have changed with an extra carrot dangled in front of us. True. I th- I, sorry, mate. So I, I think the query on the profit side of thing, though, is that the amount the amount of money you get from the AFL through distributions, while the ASD is no longer around anymore, the amount of money you're getting from the future funding is actually more than you were getting from the ASD. And the the profit you're deriving would seem to be only well is strongly dependent on the amount of the distribution you get from the AFL, which is still the 
I mean, if you take the old coast and GWS out, it's still the second highest in the league behind the Bulldogs. And there's no sign of that decreasing. No, and for all the shit-talking that goes around BF about the distributions, I firmly believe that it is compensation for paying off this shit truck of a stadium that we play in, which by the time, you know, the the distributions thing looks like changing, will probably have been bought by the AFL and will have a decent stadium deal, and that will change the whole... Dynamic financial landscape. But there are other clubs that are based out of the uh, Docklands that aren't receiving the same. St Kilda's not receiving anywhere near the compensation that you guys are. No, and they're the clubs that are surviving off pokies. Mm. Yeah, and, but... and, then, and then there's Essendon, but Essendon deals something else altogether, and I don't really lump that in the same deal. No, they have. They play at the same stadium, but they have a ridiculously good deal compared to what we get. Plus, the amount of members too. Sorry, Carlton's deal was dependent on them uh, taking a $2 million handout straight up front. So, it's uh, what do you guys expect to happen when the AFL buys Docklands? I hope that we have a president with some serious balls and we renegotiate a, a proper stadium deal where we're not paying to play at that stadium every week. As far as I'm aware, you don't actually have a stadium deal. You're just pay, you're paying rental on the stadium, essentially and all the costs that go with it. I don't think you guys have had a deal since about 2007, so... Whatever the deal is, we're at pains to break even at best from the Etihad games. We'll never make a profit from it. Yeah. And that's just ridiculous. Well, it's partial. Again, this is something that comes up on the industry board from time to time. It's not that you don't make a profit. It's that the money that you get from gate-taking doesn't cover the costs. Uh, because traditionally the clubs pay for the cost of the stadium usage. Is that the definition of not making a profit? No, because it's, it's technically not true though. It, it, I mean, it's true in the sense that you're not taking it from the gate, but you're still taking it from your, your membership. Still counts. So it's it, it's a it's a t- it's an iffy one. I, I don't subscribe to the theory that you make a loss, but you're not making as much money as you could in a in a fair world. So in that the membership technically pays for tickets as well. Is that what you're saying? Well, membership's part of the revenue that would otherwise go to the stadium that yeah. you'd otherwise take in gate receipts. And what you're, not, what you're not doing is you're not making enough to cover the money from gate receipts. Uh, you're not making enough on gate receipts. So general admission entries aren't covering the costs that you would like to yeah. pay for the stadium costs themselves. Yeah. And that's, that's, where the problem, that's where the problem is. And it's been that way. Tasmania. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I've got no, no problem with the whole Tasmania thing. It makes you guys a couple of hundred thousand a year. Well, and it's a necessity at the moment. Do you have some more members? With the yep. deal we have, there's no way we could have made a profit without Tasmania. In, in a sense, as, as much as it's you know not very popular on our board, it's our replacement for pokies. Mm. Anyway, it, we'll, we'll... Sorry, one last thing. If, not, yep. if Tasmania had turned around and not signed the deal with North Melbourne and offered you guys a seven-game deal with seven games guaranteed in Melbourne from the AFL, would you have taken it? No. No. So I, re- I reckon you would have been then. Well, the, the board may have, but the supporters would not have accepted it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like the Gold Coast situation all over again to North supporters. It really is. Well, it's a lot closer than the Gold Coast. So. It's, but, but it's not North Melbourne, though. That's I'm, not, I'm not saying you should. In fact, I, I think the solution to every Victorian's club problems has been in, in the backyard of, in their own backyard for years. Not, and I'm not just talking about Ballarat. I'm talking about Bendigo. I'm talking about some of the larger regional areas where you see eleven to 13,000 people turn up at Shepparton and Terralgan and places like that. And I'm thinking, well, if you've got to sell a game, why don't you sell one out there? But, you know, 
We tried to sell the Ballarat, but that got taken from us. But the the vibe on Tasmania on the general board, from what I've read, is a lot of people don't want more than three. No one wants more than four. And that, the perception of that is if you play more than that, though, it's just one step from there to being moved wholesale. Correct. Yep. yep. That's the issue uh, with more supporters. And, and I get that. I get that because, you know, you've had the issues in the past with... Uh, the uh, the AFL and Gold Coast, even though I don't think it was malicious as you guys probably do, um, but yeah, anyway, I guess that's that. Good good discussion, guys. I know we got way off topic, but that was certainly interesting. It's very good. Um, we'll just move straight on to the questions, and we'll do the VFL after the questions if that's all right, Nate. Yeah, cool. No worries. I'll start with a question for you then, Nate, from one of our presenters in Jay Z. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically where is Cunnington at? He's been disappointing most of the year. I've had long harbour the concern these only good stretches of good form are come when Swallow was out. Can these two play in the same team? Yes. Um, I don't care if that's controversial or not. I think every player is allowed to have periods of up and down. Um, we've seen it from the very best, even through, even well back to Wayne Gearing and his prime, did have a number of very disgusting games. And let's, uh, look, at, at his very best, I think that um, Brad Scott has shown that is willing to, you know, look over that or gloss over that sort of fact when players, and he will acknowledge when players are, you know, having a bit of a um, downward spiral or downward curve. So that, I think that's fine. Is he a long way off it? No, I don't think he is. Um, I think maybe he needs to adopt, uh, sorry, adapt his, his game style maybe because I think maybe he's being found out. Uh, as some opposition players have been found out um, by North Melbourne players, it is who are very one-dimensional, um, it isn't hard to do that with certain players. And I don't need to go into you know, teams or players or what they do, but I just think that you know, it might be a word from uh, a former grade of the club who needs to come back and speak to him. It might be uh, some introspective thinking. It might be also... I don't think that there's any need for um, dropping Cunnington or dropping Zeeb or dropping Swallow as much as I'd like to get rid of one of those three. It's pretty well known who I'd like to get rid of. Mm. Um, but no, I, I don't think it's as bad as I think there are some far more pressing issues with the North Melbourne playing list than Ben Cunnington. No worries, we'll but, move on. Sorry, mate. Um, no, no, that's all. Go, go on. <laughs> no worries, I've done that a few times tonight. Uh, so, a question for the Wookie from Taz, and he wants to know why you think Bolton has done well that recent coaches have failed to do at Carlton in getting a young, inexperienced side to be playing well. It's it's, it's communication, I think. It's he, he, I mean, you look at Malthouse when he first started, and within weeks of him starting, Malthouse was all about how he didn't have the cattle and he didn't have the talent he needed to put his game plan into place. And Bolton hasn't done that. Bolton has been all about, in fact, he's been directly the opposite. He's, he's been how he does have the cattle and how, you know, the players are responding, and, and they are clearly responding to what he's teaching. Uh, I mean, uh, of all people, Mark Robinson touched on this last night on AFL 360 where he asked how he'd managed to get Bryce Gibbs to actually start achieving things in games. And it's true, Bryce Gibbs is up and about in a way that I don't think anyone's seen before. So it is all about communication. It's all about how he's relating to the players and, and how he's building relationships with them, and they're responding to that. He reminds me a lot of Brad Scott, actually. Brad Scott did a very similar thing um, when he first came on with Wells. Lately, clearly didn't get the best out of Wellesley, and Scott is the exact opposite to to him. And I think Bolton's a bit the same. He's 
put him in a role that he's comfortable in and as you said he's a lot more positive and can communicate better and he's getting the best out of his players. Uh, Wookie, next question. How would you feel in a few years when Jared Waite is inducted into the North Melbourne Hall of Fame? I'll laugh. <laughs> I'll, I'll laugh. And the, and the bigger question we should be asking is how many weeks he'll get suspended for when he tries to deck Bryce Gibbs this weekend. <laughs> you think that will happen, you? <laughs> I reckon someone is going to go out of their way to provoke him. It is a damn miracle that the guy has not had a suspension in recent times, or an injury for that matter. Although he does attribute that to better medicos at North Melbourne, which is possibly true. Um, there's been some broadering decisions he can't over the years, but I expect him to lose his temper at some point. <laughs> and I will laugh. I will laugh my ass off when that happens. <laughs> uh, righto. We'll move on. Even, even if we don't win, I'll still laugh. I'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, move on to some more serious questions now. So, what style... I know this is a bit of a preview stuff, but I know you've got other commitments. So, basically, what style of football do you expect on Saturday night? What style? Well, we're going to play like crap, but somehow it's going to be a close game. Um, look... It, I expect a tight game. I don't expect you guys to blow us away. Um, from all, I mean, Essendon got close here, so there's no reason why we can't. It's just we have trouble converting a goal, but we have no trouble keeping the ball in our forward half. So I'm not overly concerned about your exceptionally tall forward line. <laughs> um, Weedering is apparently coming back this week for the Blues, so yeah, um, that gives us some idea about. Row will probably play down back, um, so I'm not over. Petrie for some reason destroys us just about every time we play it. And uh, so hopefully we can nullify that a little bit. Um, up for, I think Gorringe has come in for Cruiser, which isn't a fair swap in my opinion, but we get to see him for the first time in the Navy Blues, so that'll be interesting. I think it'll be a close game. I think we're going to win, and I think you guys are going to suck, to be honest. Oh. That's, uh, that's the, no, no, you guys, you guys will go right. It'll be a close game, but uh, may the best Carlton team win. <laughs> um, we live in hope. We live, live in hope. hope. <laughs> the only hope for Star Wars in films. Um, who have you? Five and O versus the nine and O. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Who have your youngsters have shown that they have the talent or have gone up a step this year? Carlton's youngsters. Yes. Um, look, honestly, the guys that we pulled over from GWS. At the moment, Liam Sumner, who I honestly thought the first time I saw him was someone's kid running through the barrier, uh, through the banner, um, but he's apparently a full-fledged Carlton senior player. So go, go figure. But uh, him, Sumner, um, they, they're having standout seasons for the Blues. Jed Lamb, who came over as well, he, he's having a good year. Um, Dylan Buckley's dropped off a little bit for the guys that were already at Carlton, which is a bit, uh, which is a bit sad. Uh, Charlie Kerno started. Uh, started well, had some glandular fever, but is apparently back training. And I like the look of that kid. That he's he's going to be a gun for all the reservations that uh, clubs had on him before the draft. Um, he he did all right this first couple of weeks at Carlton. Uh, Jacob Weedering, of course, uh, had a standout start to the season by all accounts. Injured last week, um, but I expect him. Well, he's named this week in the back line, so he'll play. Yep. it'll be good. Uh, it's 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 been a good. Uh, it's not just the youngsters, though. I mean, they're benefiting from an upturn in the leadership as well. Mark Murphy, Bryce Gibbs, Kate Simpson, Ed Turner. Yep. They're all having great seasons, and so the youngsters aren't having to try and, you know, break their backs, you know, in starring. That's what you see so many Carlton teams of the past where, you know, we Luke Livingston players, if you like, 
Uh, Luke Livingston was a guy who was a starring prospect at full forward and we drafted him to full back and he had to play there because we had no other options <laughs> and just about killed the kids. So, no, no, it's... um. I think the youngsters that are coming through, they're doing really well and they're benefiting because we've got experienced heads that are also doing well. That midfield at the moment is in the form it's in is as good as anyone else's in the league at the moment. I, I like the, my opinion. I like the look of um, Weedering. I really do. I think he's going to be a very good player. And he's got some sass about him as well, which is nice. Oh, he doesn't back down. I love it. It's, it's not something we've seen from Carlton uh, players for years, but I mean, even Bryce Gibbs is arcing up these days, so who the hell knows what's in the water down there. Yeah. <laughs> I loved the scene of the 18-year-old giving it to Jack Rewalt in round one. That was fantastic. It's something I think we all dream of, really. <laughs> <laughs> Just over the fence, though. <laughs> Just a bit. Uh, what do you believe it will take for Carlton to become a top-18 in the near future? I think we're there already. Folks, um, we've just got a bit of a slow start. <laughs> now, we need to find forwards now. The back line is settling quite nicely. I think we're seventh in the league uh, defensively. We're fifth in the league for keeping the ball in our forward line, or fourth, I think, for time spent the forward line. We're just not converting. Uh, if Caswell ever gets his kicking boots on uh, and he's not yeah. injured, then uh, we're going to have a, a very effective forward line. I think the the benefit of having Caswell injured for us is that we're finding alternative ways to goal now. Um, and so, look, I think our forwards get their kicking boots on. The rest of the system's already in place now. We're just uh, getting experience and, yeah, need forwards. And so does, it, does it hurt what you've given away in that area? Oh, look, I could kill Mick Malthouse. <laughs> I, 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 I looked at the... Um, the Col- I think it was last week I looked at the Coleman list and bets weight... And Kennedy were all in the top five, and I went three former Carlton players in the top five on the Coleman, and they can't kick a score. What yeah. the hell? <laughs> got Jeff Garland out at Melbourne as well, and it's you know Sam Jacobs who was traded off to Adelaide in the ruck there. I mean, it's um it's painful reading. It really is. I mean, on the flip side, um you know Chris Yaron's going home from Richmond this week, hasn't played all season, so you know that's that's a win for us. Uh, you know. Jared Waite, he, uh, it's annoying, Jared Waite. And even Rocky Henderson, who you didn't mention, out of Geelong, uh, had a great weekend last weekend, by all reports. I just, Jared Waite is a enigma for us. I mean, when he wasn't, when he wasn't injured, and that may have been, that may well have been Carlton's fault. I'm not saying it wasn't. He says it was, and I've got nothing to say that it wasn't. But the rest of the time, he had a really poor attitude a lot of the time, too. And, I mean, again, that may have been because of his injuries not being treated properly. But um, it was just interesting. Once he knew he was gone, he came out and played like he was from Fred Fanning, and uh, Lockie Henderson did the same. So yeah. It's funny, because um, you talk about the weight brain fade, and I actually saw a bit of that early on last year. Mm. He still sort of had a bit of an attitude problem, I reckon. Um, and there's a bit of a infamous story where, I don't know what round it was, about halfway through the year, he got a rocket up the arse from the coach, um, and he switched to this defensive first mindset where he goes out and tackles like a maniac. And yeah, it was the Melbourne game. So well, and um, I don't know whether this is law or fact, but there's <laughs> a bit of a story that he walked in at halftime of that game, and every single North Melbourne player shook his hand and said, who are you? This is not the Jared Waite that we know. <laughs> well, 
we might see that guy return on the weekend. <laughs> and there's a big part of me that hopes we do. No worries. We'll have Thank one final chance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you predicting what round will happen, Wookie, eh? I'm predicting it's going to happen this weekend. It's going <laughs> to happen must... Saturday night. You watch third quarter, he's going to lose it at someone. It's going to be awesome. Hopefully it's Liam Jones for your team's sake. Uh, I, I, I... <laughs> yeah. Oh. I hope he tries to take on Dennis Armfield. that would be fun. Finish the job <laughs> that Jay-Z started. Actually kill him this time. <laughs> oh, dear. That's horrible. Anyway, final question for the Wookiee, just in case he needs to go. Uh, what are your predictions for Carlton's and North's finish this year? Well, I, I don't... North are doing really well at the moment. I don't think they'll finish top, but I think they'll be top four. If you, I think they will drop off in the latter half of the year, but not hugely. I think, um, I mean, they could even lose their first game this weekend. They're not winning, they're not flogging teams, but uh, they're doing well enough. I think uh, teams like Hawthorne, uh, the Swans in the form that they, they're in, and they've got a good run home. I, I think you guys will finish probably third or fourth in the end. Carlton, at the moment, look, I, I, no one's expecting us to make finals, and I don't think we really want to make finals this year, but um, I'm expecting us to be ninth or tenth. But, I mean, we're, we're 11th now. We're only a game out the eight. We have a good second half of the season. We might sneak into eight, but I wouldn't want to predict it. Fair enough. That That's it for questions. So you feel free if you want to stay around, you can. But we'll just get into North's VFL now with Nate. Far away, Nate. Uh, thanks, guys. Um, I'll take off, but uh, I've got to go talk women's footy with someone else. No worries. Thanks for that. Uh, cheers. Cheers, mate. Far away, Nate. So uh, the boys had a bit of a close win against Box Hill last week uh, for Werribee VFL, broadcast live on Channel 7, um, and that was, that was a pretty good game. So the best in that game were uh, Jamont, Black and Pruce. It was good to see, but actually Pruce probably had the game of his life. Um, I would have almost actually had him in my best, but if it wasn't for all of um, Aaron Black's goals and Jamont's just ridiculous possessions, uh, even Farron Ray stepped up. So uh, pretty hard to fault the boys. I think the only thing was sort of uh, McKay and a few of the other guys just really um, not having much of an input into the game. But having said that, uh, there's quite a few of those guys who are coming back from injuries or you know long periods sort of in between or on and off. Uh, Durden, Vickers Willis, and a few others. So it was good to see them all amongst it. Uh, moving forward, the boys were playing against Sandringham down at Sandringham on Sunday afternoon, which is going to be live online, not on Channel Seven as far as I know. So. Pretty sure Philly Rue will be down at that. I'll be there possibly, and um, yeah, maybe a few others. Don't know yet the team list because I haven't been bothered to look. But um, yeah, expecting a good win <laughs> over Sandringham. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think that's about all for the VFL this week, Kanga. No worries, mate. Thanks for that. So we've already just done the questions, which was very good, and we'll move straight on to the review of that game. You can call it that. That will never be rewatched ever again by a North supporter, especially that second half. In terms of positives, Mackenzie and Dor I thought played really well. Tarrant was very good for the most part, and our first half was very good in general, keeping Essendon to their lowest score for a half since 1915, which is great. However, the second half wasn't so pretty, and we stopped running after the Wood injury. And after Wake Gold, we missed eight shots, eight behinds and misses out in the full, so it wasn't great. What did you take out of it, Jay-Z? Um, yeah, it was really a typical game of two halves, wasn't it? Uh, I, I thought Gibson was terrific. Um, I know he's, you know, you're either hot or cold on him, so I won't talk about him too much, but he was the only one that ran 
for four quarters, and despite that one turnover, he was clearly best on ground for me. Um, Tarrant was fantastic, and I just find it amazing that the guy who had a fork in him 12, 18 months ago is now clearly our best defender. <laughs> yep. um, Jacobs was amazing on Zaharakis. Um, terrible news about his injury. Every well, a lot of media outlets are saying the season, or saying eight to ten. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Mackenzie, who I have not rated at all, um, was magnificent. I was really impressed with his game, and I'm hoping to see a lot more of it in the coming weeks. Um, Wait was unusually inaccurate. He's been pretty straight this year, but I think he hit two goals, three or something, and had a bit of an off day. Um, but I actually expect him to have a pretty big week against his former side this week. Um, Madge was good in patches, which has kind of been his thing. Um, he still spoils the other tall forwards more than I'd like. I just don't think that the four of them can play together. Um, what else? Uh, Cunners, we talked a bit about him earlier, so I'll be quick on this, but I thought he was average again. Um, his clearance numbers were up. He got five clearances. I think he's only had two or three in the last couple of weeks, so that was good. Um, but a couple of shocking turnovers that just screamed lazy to me. Seems like he's in first gear, maybe second if I'm generous. Um <laughs> But yeah, it was just a strange sort of game. I don't know whether we put the cue in the rack or whether we were really shooken up by that wood injury. But they killed our tackling pressure. That totally disappeared after half time. Yeah. But it, I mean, even at half, I went to the game with my wife, who's an Essendon supporter, and even at half time, the stats came up on the board, and she said those stats don't look like a top four team playing a bottom two team, and she was right. Like, even then, we we were smashing them, but. It wasn't that convincing, and I'm just really hoping that it was us taking it a little bit easy and trying to build up some energy, if you like, for the the block of hard games that are coming up. But, but we'll see what happens. I think the ins and outs, the in- wood injury, and it's just too many tours at the end. That I think it all contributed. It was the tallest forward line in the history of the universe. We had I it was think too it was, tall. I think we had five guys over 194 centimeters or something, which was just insane. I'm surprised they tried it, to be honest. I think he was experimenting a bit with structures, and that's Yeah, I, I think he had a bit of a play, and, and also clearly designed to give Goldstein a bit of a rest while keeping him in the team, which I don't mind, because I, I, I said the week before that he looked a bit sore. Um, so hopefully that's enough for him to, to keep going. Anything else to add, Nate? Yeah, obviously with um, just reiterating what we said earlier about Mason Wood's injury, was I'm not sure if that was the turning point, because just prior to that we were... Well, we being North Melbourne, we're playing a little bit ordinary. You can see something was about to happen, but barring that injury, it looked like the tides were going to turn. Um, I was really impressed with Ben Jacobs to keep his opposition number two um, less than half of his average disposal. So I'm pretty sure that his opposition number was keeping him... Sorry, it was normally averaging about 33 to 36 a yep. game. Exactly, uh, yep. Yeah, and kept him to, according to Triple M that night, was he kept him to, I don't know, 14 or 17 or whatever it was. I'm pulling a number out of my ass again. Um, that was great. So I mentioned that to Quiver. He was sitting next to me that night and he had a chubby over it. So that was great. Yeah, he had a chubby over someone who was other than Sean Attlee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he really did, actually. He barred up. Oh, God. And he, <laughs> but then I barred up over Brad McKenzie, who was actually justifying being elevated, or being put into the senior side even though there are a lot of North BF posters who really just deride him and just don't give a uh, two hoots and just say, oh, it's Brad McKenzie, and they think of him of maybe a year or two ago, and 
his VFL form has warranted his his selection in the senior side. Um, it was great to see him continue that and even move on and uh, forward beyond that. Yep. Um, he's been really consistent through there. Um, it's surprised. I understand Magic Door is quite an up and down player, and watching him that night. The one thing that really stood out to me was his miss from just about point blank, and it brought me back to a game a couple of weeks ago he had in the VFL against the Bulldogs out at the VU Witten Oval in Footscray, where he was running uh, one-on-one with a, uh, I think it was Red Path at the time, and Will Minson was labouring well behind, and he went to soccer it off the ground from the corner of the goal square and missed it, and it went out on the full. Yep. And he missed it by a lot worse than what you saw the other night against Essendon. Um, and I just had flashbacks to that. Um, yeah, you do. You do get the really good, but you also get the really bad with Madge. I'm not sure if it's why he was put into the team, but also why he was also then dropped. Uh, his, his, t- his form has been pretty good in the VFL. So, uh, But again, there's been a lot of conversation during the week, um, both prior to, during and after the game, about why we're playing such a massively, um, a bunch of um, giants. It was land, it really was land of the giants. And then a really slow team. I don't know what's going on. And why Madge was uh, removed, even though Mason, Mason Wood is uh, out probably for a couple of weeks, to suggest. Um, even though he is training, I just wonder how his confidence is going to be going forward and how his health, more importantly, is going to be moving forward. Mm. Um, but the, I mean, the ends look good. It's good to see Trent Dumont coming back in. Um, but uh, other than that, um, gee, that game, as you said in your thread, can we just burn the tape, please? Yeah, so I was, I was fuming. I, I, I wanted to unleash. I, ever since I started this podcast, I've become a lot more tempered, though. I don't tend to burst out as much as I used to, but, geez, I was, I was close to just having a big toast, roast bread, really that close. Ugh. Just it, That last quarter just irritated me something chronic. Absolutely well, you, should have, you really should have. You really should have put it out on the line because you are quite, you know, sort of neither here nor there. And it's about time you really let yourself off the leash and just went to town on someone or something and, <laughs> I don't know, obliterated a TV, posted on YouTube, do something good, you know? Yeah, my Xbox is getting close to that. <laughs> Did either of you ever think that we were actually going to lose that game? No. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. No, I, I've had a lot of people ask me this week, you know, oh, were you nervous or whatever? And I went, no, it was fucking shit to watch. It was absolutely terrible, but I never for a moment thought we were going to lose. I will just justify that by saying that even though I did leave a few of the game in a half and puff, like you wouldn't believe, um, or no, some people will believe that, um, I had an inkling of a thought. It sort of it did cross my mind. Jesus Christ, we're going to lose this. And I had all the weird flashbacks. You know, like 2001, that massive comeback up by a million points to lose by, you know, the rest is history. Um, but and this is one of my gripes with North is we don't have the ability to not so much blow sides away, be consistent and just keep powering on through. I'm not saying, you know, you need to be up by 60 and then... We're not ruthless. Is the word. Yeah, well, oh, I understand we're not going to be sort of ruthless like like the Hawthorne of old, and given that Hawthorne are nowhere near their best of the last couple of years. But um, just to really steamroll through and be consistent quarter to quarter to quarter is just not good enough. And just, it's almost the Jekyll and Hyde of North Melbourne coming back, but hopefully it was just a blemish, and hopefully just a blip on the radar that game. I kind of agree with you. It does frustrate me a little bit, but at the same time I go, who is, like... The, the ones that are notorious for smashing teams are West Coast, and they're anything but consistent. Mm, that's a good point. 
I'd rather be eight and zero and winning by ten points than four and four and smashing sides by a hundred and then disappearing the next week. Yeah. But then you start to look at clubs like, okay, Melbourne are an improving side, and yes, we just got over the line against them. Adelaide it was a great win because you know the hooter and all that sort of garbage with round one. Gold Coast, Brisbane, we all know that. I don't want to get into it. Essendon really should have done more than that. Okay. I think the Bulldogs was one of our better ones in that we could show that we could lock down a game, and that's what I think Brad's looking for at the moment, that we can lock down a game. Yes, we can score, but yep. we've always struggled between... It's when the first lead shooter came back to give us that defensive edge, uh, what was it, a year or two ago? And we were too defensive for like the first six or seven rounds, then we went, oh, screw it. Yeah, it was 2014. And um, then we went, oh, screw it, we'll just play more of an attacking brand of football, and that's what got us to a pre... To, um, Finals, so yeah, it's interesting. We, we've always struggled to find that balance between attack and defence. I think the balance is is better this year than it has been for a it's long time. It's the best time. it's been. I, I was real concerned early days about our defence, and I mean, that Melbourne game was just a ridiculous outlier. You just have to strike that from the record with the win. But our defence recently has been really good, and our attacks have been arguably one of the best in the comps. So. The only real thing that I think that is possibly going to hold us back from finishing top two, which should be the aim with the platform that we've set, um, is the midfield. Mm. I mean, the, the major concern for me coming out of the Essendon game was that we broke even for clearances. That just shouldn't happen against a side like Essendon. We should be smashing them in clearance. I must say that I was when I in a lot of the issues I was. Um, it was Sam Gibson. Here's an example. I just want to pull out, and I'm, I am not a Gibson hater. Sam Gibson has the ball um, on the 50-metre arc, and it was in front of me to my right-hand side, and then passes to someone in the middle, or he thought, the opposition then get the ball and get the goal right. So it was after a kick-in from a behind. Brent Harvey gives him an almighty fucking spray, and boy, he didn't deserve it. And everyone went back to the centre, and no one went to sort of console anything with Gibbo, and rightly so, and he was pretty bitterly disappointed in himself. Sorry, in himself. Um, but prior to that, coming forward to that behind, or the lead into that, was a turnover in the middle. And there'd been all sorts of issues with our midfield at the time. And I remember saying to Quinn, I'm like, this is, again, another issue from our, you know, pretty mediocre, almost borderline inept midfield. So, you know, that's where it stemmed from. Um, it was just stupidity running supreme that night. And, uh, I don't know. But you know what's funny? Just Sorry, I know, I just want to quickly say this. Is, I don't know if this is really a positive I'd want to take out of it, but is that the kind of game and that kind of result between North and North? To Absolutely. Move? Yeah. I, I, I was actually, I actually said that um, on the way home with my, with my wife. I said, I'm actually quite happy because that is the game. Well, it's, it's not the game that Scott wanted, but I reckon Scott would have been happy that he could have a review where he tore the ship through half the team and said that was rubbish and still had four points on the board. Yeah, it's a re- reality check without losing. Yeah, it's a fantastic... For, for a team that's 8 no, it's a fantastic way to go, yep, no one's going to get ahead of themselves after that piece of shit. <laughs> that's going to really keep them you know, on the ground and without having a shocking loss, which is what we've had in the past. We've played rubbish and we've lost to Gold Coast for 80 points or whatever it was. That was a new, better, crappy game, if you like. <laughs> Trying to really make it positive, but... But the midfield, as I said, is the major concern. And for all the talk about that famous Gibson turnover, 
which was on the halfback flank, which led to a goal. No one has talked about the Cunnington turnover at centre half forward, which also led to a goal and should have led to a goal for us because he was just too lazy to get off the mark properly. <laughs> no, he never okay. does that. I agree with that, and it's funny because, and going back to what you were saying, yeah, is, is that result the result we need? And that's somehow like a positive, negative, or a negative, whatever, a backhanded compliment in a, in a way. But uh, moving forward, I think that's sort of. It's, it's got to ruin and remove any complacency that North Melbourne and, and um, those associated with the club, if they had it, it's, it's got to remove that. And also the other side issue, and it was a question that we had last week, it was about, it was to me from, I think from Gasometer, it was about, do we rest players? And the clear answer there was no, and we didn't because, you know, with the buy coming up and with the injuries, but also with the injury list growing exponentially and also the complacency that you saw in that team and just, oh, yeah, you know, we've got this, you know, we're going to rest half the fucking team, we're going to win. Um, you rest two or three players, you have an injury list of, at the time, five or six players, and all of a sudden you're struggling to beat Essendon. And mm. that is a real indictment on the club. Strong words there. Eh? It's strong words that are needed, so yeah, hopefully we make a bit of a statement this week. So we'll move straight on to the preview if everyone's finished with the review. Sounds good. No worries. So basically the ins and outs, you can call me Ray or you can call me Jay's in, Froggy's in and Fredo's in. So Mad Jack's out, Ben Jacobs is out with that horrible injury, same with Mason Wood with his horrible injury. It's interesting that Ray's coming in, I know a few people don't like that, but I think he'll come in and play his role as a defensive winger and hopefully a bit of spread, so hopefully he doesn't turn it over too much. And for Carlton, they brought in Simon White, Wiedering and Gorringe for his first game for Carlton. And Jamison is out, which is a big out, and Kaz bowled out for that four weeks or so, and Cruz are out as well, which is a big injury as well. So in terms of matchups, I pretty much see oh, Sam Rowe going to Petrie, and the Sam Rowe... I know he's just up forward, but I expect him to go straight to Petrie. And Ben Brown, I expect uh, probably Weetering to Brown or Weetering to Wait. And in terms of other matchups, there's a few different little ones because there'll be a few changes. So up forward, Liam Jones, you expect Thompson to go to him. Tarrant to probably go to maybe Andres, and Andres Everett type player or one of their resting rucks. In terms of Frito, Frito will probably go to a Kernel or Matthew Wright. Sean Attlee will probably go to Dale Thomas, maybe, on half-back flank. Or Jed Lamb type, if Jed Lamb plays more up forward. Uh, Sam Gibson should play probably on an arm field type, which should... <laughs> Interesting. Let's just say that. <laughs> yes, I know, shut up. <laughs> Swallow on Crips. If you guys have any disagreements, just shut it out. And I'll keep going. Keep going? Um, no worries. Um... Simon Doherty, I expect him to probably go to... Oh, jeez. That's interesting. I might expect him to go to maybe a Harvey, depending... Maybe Zach Tui on Harvey. That's tended to happen in previous years. Uh, McMillan. McMillan should probably go to a Simpson type, maybe a Kerridge. <laughs> Speaking of which, do we tag Kerridge? No shit. <laughs> well, our tag is out, so we're screwed. <laughs> oh, it's all... Okay, fuck that. Yeah, okay. But, um... Just on the the matchups, I, I was looking at this a bit myself, and I actually expect Rowe to stay forward purely because Casbolt's out, and without him, they've got the Liam Jones. Line is Liam Jones and, and Everett. Yeah, because right. <laughs> Wright's um, a bit of a medium, but Everett's pretty much a tallish midfoot can play a bit small too. Yeah, yeah. As crazy as it sounds, as, you know they've lost um, 
what's his name, Jamison, wittering as crazy as it sounds for a first-year player, is a big in for them. Yep. Um, Who do you expect him to go to? I'm not sure. I think it'll be either Petrie or Waite. I'm hoping it's Petrie, purely because he's, he's such a good intercept mark, and, and Petrie has proven this year that if he gets that sort of player, he'll just run him around the park. Yep, so Simon um, White will go to wait then. I, I kind of think that's what needs to happen. Whoever, unless it's Waite, who is our number one forward, despite getting the number two defender most weeks. Um, unless it's Waite, I think whoever gets Weider in should just run him up to the wings because his major strength is his intercept marking. Um, yeah. It sounds kind of crazy, you know, playing a decoy role because you've got a first-year defender, but that kid's a hell of a player. Yeah, definitely. So I would have put Weidering to actually... I know there was what you're saying about being a first-year player, but I actually don't think that he'd get sucked in as easily as any other first-year player would. He's shown so many smarts, that guy. Oh, yeah, um, very mature. Security beyond his years. Yeah, you know, all the classic you know, cliche phrases and all that sort of thing you can throw at him. But, he's a um, gun. Yeah, and that's it's a bit of a shame that he's been gifted Carlton after all they've done over the years, but whatever. Um, <laughs> make what you give it. But, they have to um, get a, a good pick eventually. Well, <laughs> it's only taken them 20 years. Well, <laughs> With all their top five draft picks, they had to get a good one. <laughs> eventually. Um, Hey, isn't it funny? Three number ones? Yeah, at least. Do you actually, speaking of which, the year that they played that really young Finney side, and by the way, I'm talking about Carlton, it was Gibbs and all these other players who were like fresh little young pews, welcome to Carlton sort of thing, and they were being belted. And at the time, they just had a bunch of kids going around and just thought, when are these kids ever going to turn it around? It's, ha- it's taken how many years? It was 2006, 2007 at a guess, and it's, what, nearly 10 years? And they're still playing like that? Well, anyway. Yeah. I can't believe... I really can't the, believe. the salary cap was 2002, I think. 2003, thereabouts. And it's... They've pretty much been a basket case since then. I mean, they, they made top four. They, they never really were in contention for a premiership, despite them thinking that and going and recruiting Malthouse. But they've been pretty rubbish for over a decade. You'd have to admit, like, the funniest time was the year that Essendon were removed from the finals. And then a particular team were put in and then who won that elimination final? If you remember who For a neutral supporter, that's got to go down as one of the greatest games in history. Anyway. Uh, the comeback and everything. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, do we think there's going to be any late changes? I know there probably I don't think there was last week. Um, no, there wasn't. Um, I'd be shocked if there was, given our emergencies at door. And two first years. Yeah, I don't know how on the north would everyone talk about Treasury Monster getting a game so deaf where he's going to fucking leave and going to you know walk away like that and I crack the shit just that the other thing. You know what about but yeah, it's taking Farron Ray's spot and yet they're both in. They're both fucking. They're not. You know, in the emergency interchange. So I think it's quite funny that also they play different. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and they're not completely removed. Then again, we're not. Comparing gold to Nahas type thing, it's not completely polar opposites. It's not far away. I mean, Ray is basically completely outside and John's completely inside. There's no way in hell you can compare them. I mean, as as much as everyone's going on and on and on about Juman, unless Jacobs gets injured, I don't think he plays. I I just. The balance of having a tagger and Cunnington and Swallow and Zeebel and Juman. It's too inside heavy. It's too much. 
I, I think he's a terrific replacement for Jacobs, and I'm happy that he's playing, but I have not been remotely surprised that he hasn't played up until this one. Uh, hang on, are we talking about Jumont? Or are we talking yeah. about Jumont, yeah. He's, as I, I, I said to you, you know, before I heard about Jacobs' injury, he's just going to have to wait for one of the other three to get injured, because that's Oh, you were talking about this in private conversation we had? Yeah. Yeah, 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 I remember this. Um, yeah, you're right, and it, it's one of those things where it's a shame that it's going to happen. Or there's a rejig of the lineup, but um, and that's the thing when you even look back to Ben Jacobs at one point had an extended stint and he was racking up ridiculous numbers in the VFL a couple of years back, and he did his time um, playing a very similar role to what Froggy's playing. Yeah, um, and at some point Hanson did that. Um, okay, completely different role, but he was he was given some. KPIs, go and achieve these, and you know, then we'll look at you, get some game time into you. Brad McKenzie, another one. Aaron Black will probably come into contention at some point. I know people don't want to hear that, but you know, four goals in the weekend. He's kicked a few other goals, you know, the last few weeks. He hasn't, um, he hasn't been awful for a change. He's been actually pretty good. Just on that, I know you don't rate him particularly highly, but I was surprised and a little bit disappointed that he didn't make the 25. Do you think that's a bit of a red flag? I, I don't because of how, and if it's purely on that, and I know people say, oh, but you, know, um, you said um, how, you know, you can rejig the whole team, well, yeah, you can, but you don't want to be too top heavy. At the same time, if you're going to rejig a team to fit someone in, what are you going to do? You're not going to have a, a Land of the Giants again. I think that's a mistake that's not going to happen again. Um, yeah, I, I didn't expect us to go with Land of the Giants, but a lot of people with Wood, assuming Wood was out, which was somewhat questionable, um, expected Black to be the replacement. And I went, yeah, maybe, but maybe not if we want to return to the traditional three-tall structure, which is obviously what we've gone with. But it surprised me somewhat that the door was an emergency over over Black. Or even Wagner, maybe, was more of a... Um, Okay, and again, different roles. So Black doesn't play in the ruck, but also you look at... People might think, oh, we've got... Lines it out, so why can't there be like like replacement? It doesn't work. And the same as a best 22 or a best 18 doesn't work week to week because you will need to have those matchups, and that's pretty bloody basic. That's really going to the basics of any sport. It'll be a case of does your set match this? Can you negate them? Can you counteract that? Can you not just tag them out of the game but also hurt them on the other side, hurt them on the rebound? And that's why that's my common argument with people is that you can't have a lot for life because there'll be times when you need to play a really... Sm- OK, this is a really bad example, but play smaller forward line or yeah. um, a medium back line or something like that. But that's why I say um, best 22 doesn't always work. No, and we clearly haven't gone best 22 all year. I mean, we've had a number of players in the VFL who are arguably in our best 22 performing players, but they aren't feeding the structure that we want to go with. And I, I wasn't that surprised that he didn't make the team, but unless you're expecting late changes, the emergency list is a way to reward form, and I was surprised that he wasn't named as a bit of a reward for effort, reward for form, you know, encouragement kind of thing. Yeah, look, I see what you're saying, and that's that's happened this year and it's happened last year with a number of players. Um, A question to either of you while I keep talking is, I'm not sure, has Aaron Black actually been named as an emergency this year, or... I'm pretty sure he was last year at some point. He definitely hasn't this year. Yeah, Obviously, sure. he played okay. yeah, yeah. 23 last year. I don't know if he was an emergency before that. He, he hasn't been in the 25 this year. And oh, people might say, oh, that's, that's 
sort of that's the death knell for him. I don't think it is. Um, yeah, there was a lot of the talk and the rumor, and not just on the show and on the board, but also off off air about who was going where and how it was going to happen, and um, about Aaron Black and also about another player who's currently in, in the North Melbourne backline. Um, but um, you know, things things turn around, and, um, and obviously, same and. I don't think it's sort of a case of Brad Scott all going, oh, well, you know, we're getting rid of you, or we don't like you, or your, you know, your, you know, seventh in the pecking order. I just think it might be a case of, you know, they are going that well. We're going to back Ben Brown in. Yes, he's been pretty putrid. Oh, sorry, he's been um, a little bit less than his best um, recently. And I did say at the very beginning of the show about some players do have, you know, their down periods and have some periods, and I just think yeah. that players yeah. are being backed in. Rightly so, and it's taken me this long to finally bloody see it. And I'll admit, you know, I'll put my, put my hand up and say, yes, I was one of those who was not so much sax guys, but you know, uh, what is this player doing? In and you, you asked earlier, sorry, the question on K4 about Ben, great example, player who, you know, he has the runs on the board to use a really bad turn of phrase. And um, yeah, another one would be, I think, Robin Nahas is one. People might say, oh, you know, in and out of the side, you know, he's got a massive. Appendage, you know, so surely that keeps him in the team. Yeah, it might, but um, <laughs> that's, that's not what he's Tripod keeps him in the team. <laughs> well, it, it would weigh, you know, that's the idea, it would weigh you down. And I know that Greater Gatsby is going to like me, you know, name dropping Robin Nahas, and we're going to do that. And hello to you, Greater Gatsby. I know you're at home and doing your best to, you know, find another job. Um, I think that, you know, Robin Nahas has also shown some great NFL level. He, he does have some really good time. Uh, good moments in the AFL. Sure, you know, not every single minute is perfect, but, you know, do we expect that? Another guy who needs the game time, Mason Wood would need an extended run. Brad McKenzie hopefully does get in the run. Um, and that's, I'm not suggesting that, oh, I want someone else to stay out, but I just, it just would be really good for him. And I just think because he's put in the hard yards over so many years, um, and for all the knocks on him and, you know, the slow and this and that, and the one thing that, Everyone remembers. Well, he, is. <laughs> well, he, he is, but he's. Oh, I, but he, oh, I he adjusted look. last week um, better to the tempo, and, and that's the real difference with yeah, you know, the DFL what... players trying to step up to the yeah, NFL is the, is the tempo. And yeah. Mackenzie adjusted better last week, and he was good as well in his last Sydney game, you know, in that Tigers game last year. And as I said, I. I I've had major knocks at him in the past, but in those last two senior games that he's played, he's actually showed serious potential. My concern with him is he seems destined for a halfback flank role, of which we have about a hundred. That's why he was being reinvented at the VFL level in a different capacity. Interesting to see what happens when Wright comes back. I'm hoping we find a spot on the bench for him. I, I am. I'm hoping that. You know, Wright comes back, replaces Mullet, and McKenzie stays in the team. But it'll be interesting to see um, what happens. But but going back to Black, I mean, uh, I found it funny. You know, everyone on the North Board bleats on and on about this player in the VFL is not getting games, he's going to leave, etc., etc. Even going back to last year, I went to, I think it was the trading night or something, through the, the North um, sponsorship, which was a good chance to chat to the players. And... Uh, a senior player like Lockie was out of the team at the time. He'd just come back from injury, he was playing in the VFL, and he said to me, so long as we're winning, I'm going to find it hard to get back in the team. So the players understand that 
you know, while the big three of white, brown, Petrie is working, guys like Wood and Black are just going to have to wait for their chance. I, I don't think it's a matter of, you know, they're not getting games, they're going to piss off to wherever. Yeah. If anything, that the guy who's in most danger of, of leaving is, is Magic, but I, I don't think it's a matter of, you know, he's not getting games run away. Yeah. It's interesting though. Well, we've gone a bit over time there, guys, by a long way. So we'll just finish up with Sam Kerridge nominees. So mine, <laughs> Dennis Armfield, for three goals, thirty disposals. How about yourself, mate? What do you think? Oh, if there's a late change, Cameron Wood, please be a late change. If not, it'll be a dual. It'll be a shootout between Liam Jones. Oh, actually, no, I was going to say Liam Jones and. Cameron Wood, but I can't say Kerridge anymore because he's he's moved beyond that. Um, I bet Jed Lamb. Ah, oh, fuck it. I'm going to back myself in. Lamb Jones. How about yourself, Jay-Z? Well, it's hard to go past Kerridge given the award is named in his honour, um, but if I have to pick somebody else, maybe Gorringe? Yep. Just because I'm not quite sure where Goldie is at. He hasn't been quite himself recently, and if I recall correctly, Gorringe gave him a bit of trouble in those Gold Coast disasters that we had. Yep. Um, so maybe here. No worries. Thanks for that, guys. Well, so we'll finish up there for this evening. I know Nate wants to say more and more and more. But They've gone a little bit long tonight. <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, I'd like to thank both Sorry, you. Sorry, Gasso. <laughs> That's all good. We, I think we covered everything we needed to tonight quite comprehensively. So thanks for jumping on, guys. I also like... Thanks, mate. And I like the fa- sorry, mate. <laughs> I've done that a few times tonight. I like to thank the Wookie for taking his taking time to jump on the podcast, which was good, and plenty of finance talk, which was great. And hopefully, I'll join him shortly on the main board podcast. So thanks for listening, guys.